Welcome to the uh, Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast. This is Jacob Dalin, your host. And today, uh, interesting guy from Slovakia, Dominic Bovan. Uh, we're going to talk about D3 hockey today as the main topic. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Jacob. I'm uh, happy to be here. This episode is brought to you by Scandlux, your home for Scandinavian luxury products for the U.S. market. You can find us at scandlux.com. All right, so I poached you on on LinkedIn. Actually, I think we got connected and and uh, and looked into you a little bit. And I said, "Well, let's let's bring you on. I think you got an interesting story." Um, so first, let's talk about where you are today. Yeah. So today, uh, today I'm uh, actually in the dorm in uh, Plattsburgh, a small town or city an hour south of Montreal, right across from the lake uh, of Burlington, Vermont. But the Plattsburgh is in New York, and uh, this is where I play uh, Division Three college hockey for Plattsburgh State. And yeah, it's my SUNY first year. State, yes, SUNY State University of New York, right? Yeah. So I want to talk about that uh, because we really haven't talked too much about that on the podcast about NCAA D3. What's it like and things like that? So, but when I when I asked you that offline, I had to. I didn't really know where Plattsburgh was. So, get the trusted Google Maps here, and um, and uh, this time of year, probably not super warm. No, we have a couple inches of snow or a couple centimeters. So, so yeah, it's we have some snow, but it's not super cold. Around uh, thirty-two or zero Celsius, depends which one. Yeah, and you're you said you're about an hour from Lake Placid. Yeah, an hour from Lake Placid too. Great, great. Well, let's start because uh, you got an interesting path or journey to. I, I really want to have kind of three parts here. One is your background from Slovakia to prep school to juniors to college. Number two about what's it like playing NCAA D three, and three is going to be a, your. Uh, young entrepreneurship and and your company that that you have and and we'll talk about some of the the, the brands that and we have some common denominators from common friends there that uh with ResTech uh, as well so but well, let's start with with going back in time a little bit so you're fr- are you from Bratislava yes yes i was born in Bratislava and grew up there before moving to the states yeah. which which is one of the larger cities in Slovakia yeah, it's actually the capital city. It is Slovakia. the capital. Okay. So full transparency, I grew up, I was born in the 70s, grew up when it was all Czechoslovakia. And after that, it's been kind of hard to keep up with. Um, so I'm, I'm terrible with geography nowadays. But but I, 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 I think my brother's been there and I think it's a pretty... Describe Bratislava to those who don't know about Slovakia and Bratislava specifically? Bratislava is a great place in the center of Europe, which uh, is the capital of Slovakia, but I wouldn't say it's just the capital of Slovakia. It's also an hour away from Vienna, two, three hours from Budapest, and a couple hours from Prague too. So it's in the heart of the central Europe. So whether you want to visit the mountains in Slovakia, for example, High Tatra, which is three hours away, or go to Austria to see the Alps, Bratislava is a nice location where you can spend a couple of days, see the history of Slovakia, and uh, just enjoy the environment there. Yeah. So uh, 
hockey always been a big part of your life or did you play other sports? I grew up playing a lot of sports. It first started with, for example, even karate. I did gymnastics, did soccer for a while. But then when I was six, seven, uh, I my friends were playing hockey. So I was like, let's give it a shot. And immediately I went to the net being a goalie. And uh, yeah, I kind of stuck with hockey ever since then. Yeah. So let's go back. So if I'm looking up... Um uh on elite prospects 2003 we we may want to mention that you were a goalie yeah <laughs> and yeah. goalies are its own uh, breed of people they they should have its own category of 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 goalies not just as a as a position in sports but uh ha always been a goalie or always been a goalie yeah came into hockey thinking i want to stop the puck i want to get shot at i want to drop down on my knees i want to destroy my body it's just well, uh well, who was so so interesting question for me because when you grew up, so who was your idols as a goalie? So for me, it's always been uh, a little weird because I never really followed uh, professional hockey so much. But when I did, I always looked back, looked up to uh, Dominic Hasek. Uh, he's not from Slovakia. No, he's from Czech Republic. Yeah, so, uh, that's the reason why I asked that about being an interesting question. How is that growing up in in Slovakia? Because it's you know there's rivalries and 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 that kind of things. You know, growing up in Sweden, there was always kind of tight rivalries between Sweden, Finland, Denmark, Norway, and all sports, but but not necessarily. But but how how is it politically between the countries? Are there are there animosities and and or is it just what's it like growing up there? I would say that uh, we're still kind of friends. We even though we split and politically we're two different countries. I have a lot of Czech uh, Czech friends that I met back home or in, in the U.S. as well. And uh, for me, we still watch Czech TV. So for me, I don't really differentiate that so much. But whenever there is a hockey game, I'm always for Slovakia and Czech Republic is my worst enemies. Okay, good, good, good. So it's just like Sweden and Finland. Uh, stupid question here, but from a language standpoint, how much difference? I'm sure there are dialects and so on. Uh, what is the, I'm sure it's a Slavic language, but what's the difference between Czech and Slovak oh. languages? We can speak uh, the same. We speak basically the same language. We can understand each other, but they're they're considered different. They have different grammar rules, and everything's different. But uh, I can have a full-on conversation with anyone from Czech Republic. Okay, and let's see. So Yaga is from Czech Republic too, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man, so who, so so we spoke a little bit about a couple of. We have to have a Lexan connection. So, Selarik and Ribic, who plays for Lexan uh, in the SHL, are um, are two of the top players. Well, I know they're later in age now, and they're not playing mm -hmm. in in the NHL. But what what Slovakian players are playing in the NHL right now? So we have Tomáš Tatar, who has been there for a while, and uh, Juraj Slavkovsky and Šimon Nemec, who were number one and two of uh, the last draft before Beran was drafted. So uh, they're starting to play there. They're pretty doing fine right now. Pretty good. Yeah, they're 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 okay. 
They're okay. Yeah, they're okay. You're getting used <laughs> to the live ones. But you, so so you as an O3, I mean, uh, so let's talk about, so you played last year in, well, let's talk about you. How to, what's a system of juniors in in um, in uh, Slovakia? So you didn't play juniors in there. You played all the way to U sixteen. I'm looking here, and then you went over to to US to play prep school. Yeah. How that's not the common path. No, it's not a common path, but it was a pretty difficult decision for me because. Back in Slovakia, the school and hockey aspects are very different compared to the U.S., where I feel like you have to choose at a very young age if you want to pursue academic career or if you want to stick with hockey. And for me, I always wanted to excel at everything, so both school and hockey. So after talking with my parents and deciding, I decided to left, uh, leave home at 16 and come to prep school in the U.S. And then... COVID hit. <laughs> and then, yeah, I was there for not even a year. I think it was the 13th of March, uh, when 2020, and I was sent home. And, yeah, I played three games my first year, and my second year, our school didn't play a single game. So, yeah, so it was a difficult time. Yeah, so from a hockey standpoint, if you would have stayed in Slovakia, how was the COVID restrictions there? Were they not as severe as here? I would say they were about the same, quarantine okay. and everything, mask wearing, yeah, about the same, I would say. Yeah. But then you ended up um, uh, gotten back over here with uh, in the USPHL, which I think the junior, so the Cyclones, I think, are still in the USPHL, but the, the Boston Junior Bruins are now in the NCDC. No, 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 no. In their bowl, they're different levels of hockey now. So you have NCDC, USPHL Premier, and USPHL Elite. It's uh, everything is sanctioned under the USPHL organization, but there's uh, three different levels with NCDC being the best, Premier second best, and Elite the, the worst one. But doesn't is does Boston Junior Bruins because I I know it's got it listed here as the as Premier. Do they have both Premier and NCDC teams? They have all three actually. Oh, okay. Into. I see. I see. But uh, so you played for those two for 21, 22, and 22, 23. How was that uh, moving from, from, and you've done really, really well. Uh, <laughs> very, very good save percentage and goal against average. Is that because you were really good or is that because the team was really good? So, be back. I to be honest, I think at the time it was more because the team was really good, but in the Bruins, I felt like for the most of the season, I was the one kind of carrying the team a little bit. But uh, yeah, we did pretty good, but then in the playoffs, I didn't have my best uh, game second year, so we we dropped out pretty early, but yeah, it was pretty pretty good experience. Yeah. How was that, to, how was that different for you in playing juniors? versus let's say prep school or or what you're used to in Slovakia. So the biggest difference for me was that in juniors you never have nothing guaranteed kind of in prep school okay you're on the team you're at school so you're gonna stay on the team regardless in juniors there is a little bit of a more of a movement 
And also in juniors, you're always trying to move up levels. So for me, I was trying to move up from Premier to NCDC all the time or even higher. Every summer that I played juniors, I had to go to a, a bunch of camps all the way from USHL to, all the way down to USP Premier camps just to find myself a spot where I would play. So that's the biggest difference, trying to stay stay on the team, make sure you have a spot because nothing is guaranteed in junior hockey. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your goals a little bit. I mean, so going to prep school and going to play juniors and now you're in, in university, which we're going towards in, in, as a main topic here, but what was the, have you always been, what, what was the reason for coming over in the first place? Was it to be able to get to college? Yeah. The ultimate goal was playing division one and play division one hockey which didn't happen, but uh, yeah, that was the goal coming in, getting a full ride scholarship, of course, ideal world. That was the main goal. Well, and and um, so how being 16 in Slovakia, I, I mean, how did you figure out the path? And because you know, there was no Slovakian junior hockey podcast on mm. on, on on back then. No, there was nothing like that, but it was my dad was trying to help me a lot at that point. So uh, we went uh, for two weeks to the U.S. just to see New England area. And then when we came home, we really liked it. And then we uh, found an organization called uh, JK Education that uh, helps uh, young athletes or young, even uh, any, any kids trying to go U.S. prep schools mainly that are in Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, or even Poland. And we met with them. We went to the fair, found out about Kent's Hill, and that's how the entire process started. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so so the the I was on the prize the I was on the prize of D one, uh, NCAA D one or college. Did you know any anything about the difference between club hockey D three and D one at that time? No, no. To be honest, I didn't really know the difference until the end of prep school. Prep school when I started to go to juniors. Especially with the COVID year, I didn't learn a lot as yeah. far as hockey goes. And I was always, okay, still D1, D1, D1. And then slowly I realized, okay, it might be a push. And then it was D3. And then at some point it kind of looked like I was going to end up ACHA D1 or possibly even ACHA D2. So, yeah. Um, so, so um, how, well, let's talk about the junior side first, because, you know, some, a lot of people, don't know that okay i want to play co college hockey and you know they don't know that you got to play juniors yeah so right? as long yeah if you want to go division one or division three you definitely have to play juniors until you're a star player in the ushl or even in uh, high school or prep school hockey you might get a full ride right away but i would say 90 95 of players play two or three years of juniors for sure yeah and uh, and of course they're going to pick uh, US USHL first, and if and but there's only so many teams in USHL. But but if you look at the rosters for USHL, they're full of NCAA D1 commits. Yeah. And then you go down to in the US, you go to the North American no. Hockey League, and and the rest of the NCAA's are commits are coming from Nall 
or the BCHL or the AJHL or the OJHL in, in Canada. Um, but, and, and, you know, a, a lot of people, so, so if you are coming in and, and, you know, the competition's so tough, as you're saying, you've been to USHL camps, you've been to NAL camps, you've been to USPHL or NCDC uh -huh. camps. It's so tough. What, what, how is it as a young person to go through that? Because you got your hopes up in your mind. You're just as good as that guy that, you know, yeah, played at that level. Uh, this was really hard time for me, to be honest, going to so many camps and getting cut all the time. And then slowly realizing that uh, you might not be as good or that uh, just the stars didn't align right at some point. But I would say it's a, it's a lot of mental toughness and having a supportive group around you. For me, it was my family, which helped me a lot. Yeah. During the hardest times after getting cut, coming home crying, it, uh, it wasn't the, the easiest time of my life. But looking back, I wouldn't uh, regret anything and would do it all over again if I could. Yeah. What uh, if you were to you know, finishing up here about juniors, but what's been the, 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 you know, if you compare high, the, the prep school versus juniors, a little bit of difference, which one's been the more fun? Uh, it's very hard for me to say because prep school was COVID era. So I didn't play uh, real prep school hockey. So I would have to say juniors, but um, if I want to get the full prep school experience, I think uh, prep school might be like more security. Yeah. Juniors might be more of an adventure and uh, maturing more as a person. What advice would you give to the person looking at, you know, they're coming up and they're going to play juniors. What advice would you say? Hey, I've gone through it now. Uh, yeah. So it depends if they're coming up as a number one star, then know that, okay, you're the number one star right now, but you, know, you might get a sprained ankle or any other injury and no one's going to look at you again. Yeah. So maybe be a little humble. But as far as if you're coming in, okay, I'm going to try this, try that. It, uh, I will tell them uh, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a lot of perseverance. But if you're mentally strong, that's more maybe even more important than having the hockey skill. It's definitely worth worth doing it. Yeah. Is it are you talking mainly as a hockey player or is it also growing up as a as a young adult? As a young adult, a lot more than just as a hockey player. Because now that I'm in college also, uh, just looking at the 18 year olds and I'm 20, I'm like, okay, yeah, I was that stupid once too. <laughs> Cool. So let's talk about the D3 part right quick. Um, how in the world did you end up? I mean, so the SUNY schools, so the State University of New York, uh, good hockey that way. And a fairly, if you compare, there's, there's, um, so it's not cheap to go to college in the U.S. Yeah, that's true. But and there and if you're looking at D three, they don't offer scholarships, but they can offer financial aid, loans, grants, and and some um, academic uh, mm -hmm. scholarships, right? Um, but it's not cheap. But out of all the D three schools, I would say that the State University of New York schools have a fairly competitive tuition. 
they're still not cheap. I just said, but <laughs> still not cheap. Some uh, some private schools, for example, nice packs, they're like half the price or maybe even less. Yes. Uh, considering after all the deductions too, unless yeah. of course you go D one money with the athletic money, but if you don't, then yes, state schools are usually a lot cheaper than the public ones. When did talk about timing wise? When did you start? So when you were going through juniors, when did you start applying for the actual schools, or was that after you've been talking to them about hockey from a recruitment standpoint? Because I, I, I'm imagining that your your goal is on D one, so you're talking to everybody. But then, since you're playing D three now, I'm assuming that you didn't get any of those offers. No, it's the. Uh... Uh, one thing is, uh, in juniors, it also depends what level you're playing, because for me, there was no reason even to reach out to Division One schools at the USTH or the middle level, because, okay, it would be an email comfortable at all speed. Okay, next one. But as far as Division Three schools, I would say I personally emailed maybe 20, 20 schools, got maybe five responses. And then the main thing is for the comfortable level, because I... I committed uh, here to SUNY Plattsburgh two months after well, my last uh, season ended. So, yeah, it, I looking back, I probably should have applied a little sooner to all the schools, but like January before January deadline. But uh, it's nothing is too late, but it's gonna be difficult. Yeah, what why do you say that in terms of? in terms of uh, getting all the classes that you wanted? I wouldn't say getting all the classes, but uh, having a spot in the school, getting the money you need. Because if a coach wants you, then he's going to tell you, okay, did you apply to this school? But if you say no, and their application deadline is January 1st, and you talk to the coach in, Feb in the middle of February, then probably... Unless the coach is a really good connection at the admissions office, there is a pretty low chance for you to be able to get in. Yeah. But uh, so when you apply for the, so let's use your examples with, with SUNY Plattsburgh. And because you're an international student, you had to, you had to go through admissions a little bit differently than the U S student. Yeah. So for me here at SUNY Plattsburgh, I first, committed verbally with the coach and then I started the application process so it was the other way as it's supposed to be but but yeah so for general like to talk in uh, how it should be you're first supposed to reach out your school email the coach get a response okay we might come to a couple of the games you might watch video on you and then you start sending out the applications so you can uh, get uh, into the school, and then once you get your yes from the coach too, then you tell the school, okay, I'm going in. But for me, it was the, exactly the completely other way. Yeah, <laughs> let's make it a little bit more difficult. Uh, yeah. And I'm looking at, so of course, they have a 2000 birth year and a 2001, so you're the young guy. Yeah. Right? And. Yeah. And uh, but you're coming in, and did you have to do the SATs or did you just do the transcripts and you have to do the TOEFL? So for me, I had my TOEFL score coming into prep school because it's a requirement for that. Yeah, so I got that out of the way at 15 16, so I didn't have to worry about that. And as far as SATs, 
it's not a requirement nowadays for most schools, but for me at prep school, they were pushing me to do it. So I did it my senior year in prep school, did pretty well. So then I was just using the sport to send over to the schools, but it's not a requirement anymore. Yeah. So you started, so you started in the fall, uh, like everybody else? Yeah, like everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, when did you move, didn't, when did you move in to Plaxport? When did you go up there to, to move up? I I moved up here maybe uh, last week of August. I would say, yeah, I think it was August 20th or 21st when I drove up here from Philly because that's where my parents live right now. Yeah. So drove up here, moved into the dorms. I'm actually uh, rooming with a guy who played for the same organization but at the NCDC level, Aaron Catron. So uh, it was nice not coming into the school and knowing someone right away. So, yeah. Is he, so he's on the squad now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron Catron. He's a year older than me. Okay. 2002. Okay, awesome. And then, so let's talk about what difference, um, what difference, because you've been to, well, so, so let's talk about the NCAA D3 in SUNY, because mm -hmm. there's a ton of NCAA D3 schools in the country. Yeah. So I'm assuming you have some type of conference breakup in yeah. D3. We are we are the SUNY conference with Oswego, Geneseo, Morrisville, uh, Rockport, and a couple other teams. Yeah, yeah, but uh, we there is also an SCA conference, which is the smart school conference. There are some D3 in Minnesota. Uh, what did you call it? The Smart School Conference. The Smart School Conference. So, yeah, NESCAC. So those are the ones. Let me see if I can pick those up. It's Tufts. Is that part yeah. of NESCAC? Yeah, it's Colby, Bowden, Tufts, Williams, Middlebury. I think. Yeah. Yeah, and then so I'm looking at the if I'm looking at the NCAA D three. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight SUNY school schools. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at Brockport, Canton, Cortland, Fredonia, Geneseo, Oswego, Plattsburgh, and Potsdam. I thought yeah. Syracuse was part of that, but uh no. yeah. Um and a friend of mine, he plays for uh Stevenson University. I think that's where uh Jack uh uh Carlson is on. He's been on the on the podcast before. Uh, Place D three there. But but um, what's hockey like now? When you got there in in August, and uh, facilities wise, if you compare prep school to juniors to NCAA D three, what's it like to be a student athlete at the collegiate level? So it's difficult but uh, not uh, impossible to do and uh, because you have to wake up early for practices you have to have a sense of discipline to be able to do both and but the biggest thing i would say is it depends from school to school as far as facilities go because here at Plattsburgh we have a nice arena that can seat almost 2000 people but then we go to other schools, even in the conference or especially out of the conference, where you get 50 fans at a game. 
which which is a big difference. It's not like D1 where you have all, all the schools have a couple thousand fans at the games, but here in D3, it really depends uh, what program you go to as far as what facilities you're going to get. What, what's the coaching staff look like versus juniors? Because in juniors, you typically have a, a head coach and assistant coach, and and that's about it, right? Yeah, for me, it was like that. But it also depends on the level of juniors you play. But yeah. here in college, I would say we have a we have a head coach, of course, assistant coach. We have a goalie coach that's usually on the ice twice a week and travels to the games. We have a full time athletic trainer that whenever whatever we need before, after, during practice, he's there to help us. And then we are fortunate enough to have a student equipment manager who comes and sharpens our skates and uh, gives us new sticks if, if they break, get the save, and anything like that that we might need uh, during practice. Okay. And and how would you um, – what about the level of play in terms of moving from juniors to, to D3? So I'm, I'm assuming that – there's a lot more older players. If I'm, yeah. let me pull up. Uh, I'm the youngest one on the team, just to make it easy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the youngest one by almost a year because I had another year of eligibility for two years, but I decided to go to college right away. Uh, and yeah, the oldest guy on the team, I think he's going to turn 26 this year in 2024 because they're 98. Yeah. So. So it's definitely a big difference from playing with 21-year-olds to playing with a 26-year-old. The level of maturity in the team is is big, but still the compete level is a lot higher than the level of juniors I played. I would say maybe the Division three schools physically-wise are a lot better than the USHL, but you don't have as much skill if I'm comparing juniors to college, for example, but everyone works out hard in the gym, so it's a much more physical league than uh, juniors. So where, what is the, um, what is the likely path for the player that comes in and plays four years now? Because I'm assuming that you want to play four years in the same place. Yeah. And no guarantee that you're going to get any playing time as a freshman. That's true. I didn't play a single game. Yeah. yeah. So far. So far. I but it could be injuries and and these yeah. type of things. But let's say now you're you're going to stay there and play four years. When you graduate, are there options for a D three player to go pro, or is it now? Hey, I'm having a best time of my life playing collegiate hockey. I'm going to get a professional degree, and then I'm going out in the workplace. I would say 90 to 95% of players go to workplace and they quit hockey or play uh, building just a hobby, change uh, transfer hockey from being their number one thing they do every day to just being on the side a couple times a week. But you have that 5% of players that go on to play pro hockey and uh, they even go to play some good leagues. For example, last year we had a guy, Jacob Modry, who graduated last year in the Plattsburgh, and uh, he went on to the NHL development camp and ended up in the East Coast, so ECHL. So, in Savannah. This, yeah. 
the Savannah Ghost Pirates in the in the coast. Um, but I guess so. What's your goal? Wow, very good question. I I wish I would have an answer for you right now, but as of right now, I I would like to keep keep on playing uh, hockey as long as I can at the highest level possible. But at the same time, if I'm done with college and hockey doesn't bring me money or doesn't uh, allow me to live a sustainable lifestyle, I'm uh, open to going into the workforce and just working for myself. Yeah. And and I think that that's um, the, the the eye of the needle is so small, right? There's such a few, so few that are. I mean, certainly you could go and play in Europe and and play minor pro uh, mm -hmm. somewhere, um, uh, but you don't necessarily need a college degree to do that either. Yeah. And I think that the, the 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 balancing act between you can go out in the workplace and actually make some money versus you're really not going to make a lot of money playing division two in sweden as an example yeah maybe, maybe it, a continuation of really good time but yeah um, it also like even if you play like i know that i can play uh hockey back home in slovakia in the second or third league even right now straight out of juniors but what good would that do me in the long term i would I don't yeah. think that would be feel satisfied overall. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Um, so let's talk about the third topic. Uh <laughs> you're a little bit unique here being a freshman in college and you already have your own company, right? Not it's not exactly my own company. I yeah, let's mind. just call let's just call it your own company, right? Okay, my own company. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you're so you're working with your your family's business, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, but also, um, so w w the reason why we got connected was because of ResTech, and yeah. and um, uh, we have some common connections there with um, uh, with the ownership of ResTech. Yeah. But how what's how's ResTech? Is ResTech one of the brands that you guys work with? Yeah, I was. Uh, I actually started working with Restag uh, my last year of juniors. Last year, when I was just looking for uh, for something to do, and because during juniors there I have a lot of free time, so I was uh, looking uh, through LinkedIn actually, and I found uh, Andre Dulac, which is our connection at uh, Restag, and uh, I started to do some uh, stuff in the U.S. making some. Uh, databases for him or just going around the stores and seeing uh, seeing how that goes. And now it's more kind of transitioned into um, uh, trying to find some uh, NIL deals with some athletes uh, that uh, are in the US so that can uh, uh, promote rest tag. And, uh, and yeah, also my, also my dad's business uh, does some uh, does some uh, packaging for Restec as well, so there is uh, a degree of cooperation there. Yeah, and explain to those who don't know what Restec is. Pretty cool company, a little bit of a unique new thing yeah. that yeah. is is gaining some traction um, with some of the some of the with with now, especially after they got the NHL um, um, logo or 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 a approved status within NHL. 
Yeah, so rest tech for those who don't know what it is, it is just a sticker for a blade of the hockey stick that you can stick on and it should last eight to ten skates. It's it increases the rotation for the puck and overall gives you a harder, more accurate shot by a couple percent, but sometimes those three or or five percent might be the difference of uh, scoring a goal or not. So it's uh, it enhances performance and uh, also one thing that's very interesting about Restec is that uh, unlike tape, it's fully customizable, so that some players can put their uh, their number or their uh, logo of the team on the blade of the stick. Or if you have a sponsor for a team or the league, they can put their logo and every player is going to have it on the blade of the stick, stick increasing the awareness for for the company that's yeah. uh, sponsoring the event of the team. Yeah, so it's and and the reason why I got connected with Restech originally was because the so Andre Dula, who was the owner, or, or I guess he was the he's the CEO of. Yeah. I think he went on a on the equivalent of Shark Tank with some investors in in um, in the Boston area, and that's how I got connected. Because uh, one of those investors called me and said, "Hey, you ought to have this is a pretty cool cool company. Maybe they." So we're we're gonna see if if uh, we should have a partnership with Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast here as one of the sponsors. But first, uh, I, I haven't tried the product, so I don't know. Um, I'm, but I've seen it, on, and it's pretty intriguing. And the and the uniqueness, like you're saying, is not just from a recognition from a logo. What I've seen so far is the advertisement from that you can have your number or your logo of your team. But I see there's also a huge benefit from a standpoint of uh, the ability to have messaging on uh, that can then be 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 utilized in content and advertisement um, that yeah. doesn't impact performance. You know, a lot of things, unfortunately, when when they have things that you want to either there's restrictions from a from a you can't do it or it's it's cumbersome or it it, um, it just won't work that way. Uh, I, I guess the last thing I saw was uh, Zdeno Chara was was. Yeah, uh, he's I, the guy behind it. He's from Slovakia too. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I knew that there's got to be a connection, and he said, "Yeah, I think oh, that's also, that. Andre is from from Slovakia too, so yeah, so it's a Slovak company. That's why the connection there." Yeah, and I thought I think I saw the advertisement says um, uh, Zdeno Chara has been spotted for using uh, yeah, the yeah. product, which is pretty cool. So. But 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 the but what's it like being a college student and you're you're already working with these things and I mean isn't it the best kind of application you're working some with your dad's company you're working with Restec and and next year you'll be doing more things like yeah. while you're while you're studying right yeah I would say it's a it's a big learning curve because uh, I make a lot of mistakes doing uh, these things at the early age or like at the beginnings and it's better I would say to make these mistakes right now and to learn from them right now instead of being 24 25 and going into the workforce right away having no experience just a college degree so that's then you're gonna kind of cause some issues for your future employer but for me I don't want to be an employee I want to have my own business yeah yeah so, well, let me let me ease ease you into this by saying I'm 48 and I still make a ton of mistakes. Um, 
but it's about learning, right? And the quicker you can get in to learn and learn new things, the the more valuable you can become. And unfortunately for a lot of I, I really want to challenge listeners that are that are hockey players that it's not, you know, I think at the end of the day, we're all going to end up in the beer leagues. Some have different journeys into the beer leagues and they're not going to be pros. So what but the beauty of of playing college hockey is that you can be part of a fraternity that you can then leverage in the workplace. And but don't graduate with or don't leave school without a degree and don't leave school without a network and and a and a group of people that you can um that you can uh leverage in the workplace and don't leave college without leveraging your experiences and i think that includes working and trying to figure out what am i going to do in my next chapter of life um and i think there's so many applications to hockey you mentioned adversity, you mentioned patience and and the ability to learn and figuring things out. The professional life is very similar to the, the game of hockey. Yeah, as, you, as you're saying, like being a hockey player is just one chapter because unless you're younger, you're going to be done playing hockey at 40 or ladies, most guys between 30 and 35. If you make it to the pro level, but, uh, well, then you still have another 30 years, 40 years before retirement. And you need to know what you're going to do right after. Because if you just say that you didn't play in the NHL, so you don't have millions laying in your bank account, you're going to have to find something to do. Yep. All right. Last couple of things. So uh, we asked this question to every guest, and that is um, – you met yourself, you're okay, you're only 20, but you met yourself at, but there's a big difference between when you're 20 and when you're 17, but you met yourself at 17, you've experienced a few more things since you were 17. What things do you wish you could tell yourself that you didn't know then that you know now at 17? What advice would you give yourself? Don't be so stubborn, I would say. Uh, because I feel like I thought, uh, and I still think that right now, that even when I was 17, I thought, okay, I've been there, done that. But as I grow older, I realize the more I know, the more I know that I don't know. So uh, I feel like even right now, sometimes I think I know this, know that, but uh, I, I come to a realization that there is a lot more to learn. So that's probably the biggest thing I would tell myself. Be patient and uh, be eager to learn and listen from other people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Great advice. Last thing, we have a partnership with Target Aid, uh, which is a fundraising platform. Uh, but it's also more of a content creation platform that is based in Stockholm, Sweden. Um, one of the, uh, so we have a presence on Target Aid. Uh, and uh, every guest gets to name the, the the team of their dreams, or the uh, in Sweden is called Klubben i Mitjärta, which means the team of my in my heart. So, if I was going to ask you which team is the the team closest to your heart, which is the one that you are the most proudest to hang on the wall uh, for you? Well, this is a tough question. It, it depends where I am. Because in the U.S., I would say my hometown team of Slovan Bratislava, the time I, the team I grew up uh, playing for, and the team that plays in the Slovak league. But when I'm back home, 
I would probably say uh, Boston Bruins or Montreal Canadiens in the NHL. Okay. So the two teams. What we're going to do, we're going to use the Brat Bratislava uh, since yeah. that's also tied into the to the youth hockey yeah. world. And we'll see if that club will take advantage of uh, the challenge with this is that uh, we will be contacting or Target Aid will be contacting them and there'll be a story that they can build from that where they can say, hey, I see that you were on this podcast and uh, you mentioned that this is the team of my dreams or the the the, uh, the team closest to my heart. And uh, uh, hopefully they can take that and run with it as a story. Uh, and you can say, yes, contact me anytime. I'm, uh, mm -hmm. we'll, set it, we'll set it up, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, mm -hmm. Dominic, it's been a pleasure having you on, talking about your background is unique and specifically about D3 uh, and, and your advice there and, and, uh, and, and then as you journey through um, the the college world and, and, and working at the same time, it's been a fun, fun, fun journey to talk about. Thank you very much, Jacob. It's been a pleasure being on your podcast. I think I learned some things uh, today and uh, it was very interesting for me to share my, exper uh, my experiences with you and everyone listening. Yeah. Thanks so much. Oh. Stay in touch. Sure. sure.